Dear Shooter, if you could only have one gun for the rest of time, what would it be? Lucid Optics might have the solution for you with all the winter storms many of you have been enduring. There is a lot of talk about survival and preparedness. Of course I'm happy. I'm just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter for your day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. And we've all seen it. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. And we're back. We survived the winter snowpocalypse um i think we're dug out now we've all finally been able to reassemble how'd everybody make out well we are dug out but we've got clouds forming up over the mountain so brace yourself you just shut your mouth (laughs) i've had enough of this i think we're all ready for spring definitely ready for spring but it has brought up some interesting conversations talking with people um looking at things going on in the world and you, and you you look at these severe winter storms that are covering half of the United States at any given time people are talking a lot about survival and preparedness and ironically enough you've come out with a rifle in conjunction with Shaw Rifles this year uh you're calling it the EOW yeah EOW into the world gun um it's a pretty simple concept really we're taking a proven reliable action um making it as Absolutely as short as the law allows, um, chambering them in NATO cartridges because battlefield pickups are a real thing. Smart. And making them stainless so they're semi-impervious to the elements, uh, composite laminated stocks. Um, it is a workhorse. It is nothing fancy or pretty, mm-hmm. but when you have to pick one to go, it's a good choice. Now, are they? I know they're built on the Savage Action. Yeah, it's a Shaw it, version of the Savage Action. That's right, right, which has been fantastic. I've been shooting those for a long time. Um, box magazine fed? Yes, the, the the Generation 2s will be. The first one's out of the gate. We couldn't get it done in time for what we're doing these for is for Friends of the NRA banquets. But um, the second gen we're looking at June will all have box magazines. Okay, and you, and I, I noticed you had a stack of them. You had both three oh eight and two twenty three. Yes. Both it, of those calibers are the the EOW selection are running right, and it, and the the two twenty three. Just so we're clear, are those five five six compatible, or are they straight two twenty three? They are five five six compatible. Okay, because that's always an important distinction to make for those of you that don't know. Five five six will shoot a two twenty three, but a two twenty three will not shoot a five five six, and that has to do with case thickness. The military cases have a tendency to be a little bit thicker. So they won't chamber properly. Well, they're designed for full auto fire, mm-hmm. and that chamber and that firearm gets a little hot. So a little thicker brass keeps you from having a cook off. Well, what fun is that? So what what made you choose the bolt action? Simply for its reliability. 
Um, less fiddle factor, a whole lot less moving parts. Um, you don't have to balance out the bolt action with gas and function and lube and dirt and grit. And, um, either the bolt will go closed and it will go bang or it won't. Right, right. And I applaud the choice of the NATO cartridges, the 308, the 556. That's kind of a no-brainer. We have a lot of boutique cartridges in what we shoot and what we go play with. But when it comes right down to it, and you're talking about a society's come off the rails, a mm-hmm. situation where you may end up having to find ammo rather than being able to go buy it. Right. NATO cartridge is a smart play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I see that. And I guess one of the things that I see, because I've, I've done some consulting. Um, I, I get people who want to be more prepared. And we do some consulting for them, trying to help them get started. And especially when people go down that, that preparedness road, they, they have a tendency to get overwhelmed very quickly. I think the, the biggest reason for that is they're so focused on the trigger event on not, and not on what they're actually trying to accomplish. Um, and with your rifle, you really kind of drilled down on that aspect as well bare bones it's basic it'll do the job it is a necessity workhorse tool um, there's not too many frills on it it's not going to be super fancy um, but it's short it's lightweight it swings easy you're going to be able to find feed for it um, in hardware stores grain and feed stores um, some drug stores even for that kind of matter right right i think we all remember what buy right yeah that was one of them <laughs> Always had a gun counter at the pharmacy. That, you know, today's world that that would almost appall some people. Well, what about Crow Hearts gas station? A middle of nowhere general store, where the gun counter is right next to the post office, in the same building. Yeah, that, that's the type of thing we're talking about. I love that place. I stop there every time I go. Not because I need to, because I want to. It's just a cool little place. It is cool, and you can find just about anything in there. It may not be exactly what you're looking for, the exact brand or model, but you can find it. And and that's that's one of the other things. And we've talked about this before about Lucid using common battery uh, to power your optics. We there. did that on purpose. Yeah, way back in 2009, I was. Looking at the selection of red dots out there, and lithium coin cell batteries were very prevalent. These boutique barrel batteries, 3 volts, um, very prevalent, but you couldn't really necessarily find them just anywhere. You had to go to a, a pharmacy or a specialty electronics store to find them. And that made me crazy because I grew up in Wyoming. You get what you get, mm-hmm. right? You, whatever is left on the truck when it comes through. Right. And so it, that mindset just was wrong so we did things a little bit differently we pioneered the the triple a cell and the double a cell back into our consumer electronics happens to be mounted to our firearm right and we you know we we've talked about that a lot and i i think lucid's really kind of come to terms with the fact that you know what hey you may not be able to get the specialty stuff so let's keep it simple and let's keep things easy to get to. I mean, right now, we're, you know, we were dealing with situations last week where traffic wasn't running. Wyoming was closed. Um, 
you know, okay, you may order everything you want on Amazon, but it may not be able to get to you. But that's common for us, too. It's not necessarily just a snowstorm. Right. Um, if there's a supply chain interruption, we're the last to get stuff here. Right. So that mindset of being prepared, it rolls over. If you look at my grandma's pantry, for example, mm-hmm. she has everything she needs for eternity in that little itty-bitty room. Right. Brandy, what's your pantry look like? It is full. <laughs> and it will remain as such. Right. Because you can't always just get to the store. And if you can, are those shelves stocked like they should be? They are not. There's hardly anything there. Last time I went, I picked up a boatload of chicken because they finally had it. There are times you go to the store, you can't get chicken. You can't get eggs. Sometimes you can't get milk. But now we're talking about something you're going to take home and freeze, right? Right. So you need electricity to do such. Yes. So we're looking for solutions to not rely on the grid, maybe? Can it all. Oh, can it all. Well, and and you bring up a good point. You know, one of the things that I talk about with with the people that I consult for, um, again, I was talking about those trigger events. They they get so focused on, you know, what's going to happen that's going to cause them to go into this situation rather than, hey, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, what you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to take care of your family, food, shelter, warmth, take care of your property, take care of your home. It doesn't matter what the event is, severe winter storm or rioting. Uh, it doesn't matter. The, the mission is still the same. And once you get people into that vein of thinking, I, I think they become much less overwhelmed. They become less finicky and picky about their selections of food, gear, whatsoever. One of the things we did with these EOW guns specifically is we chambered them in NATO rounds, so they're going to be available, right? Mm-hmm. But above and beyond that, the 5.56 round, as well as the 308 round, they're completely capable. I mean, 5.56, I would take antelope with it if I had to. Right. And the 308 round, um, I've harvested lots of elk with one. It'll take everything so, in North America. Yeah, it, it, and get down to shot placement. Right. Right? Get good at your craft, and you have a decent optic on top of it that bridges the gap between a high-end long-range precision rifle scope to a actual hunting scope um, it makes the tool very useful speaking of what optic are you putting on these uh, on the eow guns they get the l5 4 to 16 both of them it's a good mid course up to about 1760 with the right cartridge um, it's it's very capable optic it's nothing fancy no frills um, but in the hands of somebody that understands what he's looking through, there's almost nothing he can't do with it. No, and for the record, I have put 308 on a mile target. The cartridge with a bullet left the atmosphere before coming back down. You shot over a 23-story building to get it there. Yes. Yes, basically over Mount Everest. I don't know if it was quite that high, but it, yeah, it was a it was a definite <laughs> elevation challenge. Holy crow! Well, and it's not like it had anything on it when it got there. I should have just walked it out, but it did get it there. It got it there, and you know, and and, and we've proven out. I don't know how many times in how many different scenarios how capable the both the three hundred eight and the five five six are. Brandy, you've taken shots at a thousand yards with a fifty-five grain ball, five-five-six, just over and over and over. 
It's not that hard. For you. But the rifle and cartridge was capable, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Right. We get hung up on 6 ARC or 65300 Weatherby or all these boutique you know, race gun type cartridges, and they're neat. But they're not going to be available like you think they should be when the stores close. And well, and a lot of them are barely available now. Absolutely right. And and when they are available, you're looking at 5 to $7 a round. Right. Right. And that's that's not going to work when, you know, the grocery stores aren't open and the power's out. Well, 5 to $7 a round in contrast to a 308, which is still in the dollar a round type of arena. Right. That's a lot of food on the table you're choosing over a cartridge. Right. Absolutely. Now... When you when you designed this and you you worked I know you worked with Shaw to get this done. In your head is is this your ultimate kind of EOW gun? Yeah, if I had to pick one that was going to be the workhorse that I had to have for the rest of my life, I think the 308 would be my choice. It'll do everything I need it to do for me and putting food on the table for mine, protecting what's mine. Mhm. Um, it's going to be reliable. The The likelihood of it having a malfunction or breaking is going to be pretty minimal. All right. With a 16-inch barrel, I can work inside a house with it. Uh, I can go afield with it. Um, it's really a r- good selection for across the d- decision matrix of whatever you're trying to get into. It's very well balanced right. in its abilities. Right. So, yes, I will have one in my back seat <laughs> at all times. Now, there's probably people out there going, well, why wouldn't you go with, like, an AR platform? And you talked about, you know, just the more complicated system, the more moving parts. Um, Let me throw this out there. I'm kind of with you. I would go to more of a ranch rifle, even if it wasn't a bolt gun, you know, Mini 14, M1, that that style of rifle. For the simple fact of now you're looking at kind of the gray man territory, I think you're a lot less threatening with that style of rifle versus rolling up with an AR. There's a personality with the AR platform, and politically it's been demonized enough to the point where it's not necessarily friendly, and that's okay. Right. There's nothing wrong with the AR platform. I'm glad to say that out out loud. I have several. Um, But for a... Gun I'm going to take and do everything with, there's just more potential for a malfunction and or a problem in that critical moment with a gas gun than there is a bolt gun. Agreed. So I just eliminated one potential failure. Right. Right. And I I just, I I, I go back to, um, I think somebody in that kind of situation where you're looking at social disruption where you don't have emergency services, you don't have police, you don't have fire department, you don't have somebody you can call to come help you. Meaning you're probably going to be dealing with people that are scared and maybe make decisions before they've had a chance to assess the situation. And I think looking at somebody packing around a bolt gun, they're going to feel a lot less threatened and maybe a little slower to jump to a gun on you than they would be if you come rolling up with an AR slung at low ready. Absolutely. Um, so 
you're talking about the sociological effect of perception. Yes. Um, the imagery thereof. Um, the AR platform is modeled after an M4, the Eugene Stoner's version, but it is modeled after an M16. Um, it is a very capable gun. In a semi-situation, it, it's very, very capable. However, it has a persona. And the more you set people on edge, especially when they're scared, tired, um, have severe trust issues, because let's face it, people suck. The perception of being the local wannabe warlord or Joe Q public that just wants to take care of him and his, and I think you're going to see that in the imagery of slinging one versus the other. You're a lot safer with a bolt gun slung over your shoulder because you're less of a threat in perception. Now, I will say that with a 308, you can reach, and shot placement's key, and you're just as formidable of a foe, but at the end of the day, you don't look as mean and as scary. Exactly, and that and that's my exact point. Um, and I'm willing to, I, I would be willing to bet my life on that perception. At least give someone pause. Well, let Let's go back to you know schoolyard rules for a second. Um, when was the last time you were in a fist fight? Oh, it's been a while. Okay. So were you ever in a fist fight with three or more? No. All right. So I have been. And in, when you're dealing with people, and they're all the same, it doesn't seem to matter, demographic, where they come from, how it works. Three or more, you pick out the guy that is the loudest puff the chest, and you drop him hard, you'll find out there'll be one or two guys that are willing to step in, but the rest of them really don't want to be there. Right. And if you show you're capable, they'd rather go the other direction than engage you. Same thing happens with this survival scenario that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You drop one really, really hard, they're less likely to want to play. Right. And I, I think perception has a lot to do with it, especially in, in that type of situation. You guys give me crap all the time because all I buy and all I drive is white pickups. And Brandy gives me hell for this because I have no originality. None. But if you look at it from a gray man perspective, from being inconspicuous, what is the most common vehicle on the road in the United States? Well, and it, it locally demographic, it's it's a white pickup truck because we have a lot of fleet oil field trucks, and I have driven white trucks for years. This is the first vehicle that I've had that's not white in a long, long time. It's very commonplace, and you get lost in the sea of numbers. People don't even recognize your existence because you're white noise. Right. And it and and I got thinking about this and started really looking into it when the first time I we I kind of thought about this concept. And it's not just here. Yeah, we have the oil field, we have the agriculture, and they all drive white pickups. I mean, it's just, it's a thing because, like you said, fleet trucks. But it's also, if you look at even inner cities and urban areas, it's still a very ubiquitous vehicle because you're talking service vehicles and railroads and anything that, that requires a truck and, and a fleet, they're, that's what they're buying. And being white noise and not necessarily standing out to your advantage. Which is why I do it. Although it has gotten me in trouble in the past because I, I got run down by a local sheriff at one point 
because apparently there was a hit and run, and it was a white pickup. Well, you joined the mass numbers. Yeah, I was the first one they saw. Correct. So it can come back to bite you in the butt, but for the most part, I'm pretty invisible. But that ties into the end of the world type of scenario. Um, there's a lot of civil unrest. There's people that, that actually think that we are going to be going toe-to-toe with fractions of this country. And if, that, if that's the case, our way of government and our society will have have to shift and remodel at some point. Right. And access to tools, access to new boutique cartridges, this, that, the other, is going to be very minimal at best. You won't have time to sort it out and go proof it at the range. No. You're going to have to do it as the day goes on. Right. And having something that's extremely versatile and will handle 90% of your circumstances slung on your shoulder is really to your advantage. Well, that you make a very interesting point about not having the time to go proof a rifle. Um, but think about the limit, limitations of the resources. You're not going to have the ammunition you might have enough to do a three-round zero, and you're going to have to call it good enough because you don't have the resources to expend. And you can make the adjustments on the fly later, but you're going to have to get it in service. Right. And, uh, you know, I, in, in the scenario that you're talking about, and e- even, you know, n- not even talking like Civil War or anything like that. I mean, talking about just, hey, the power's been out for two weeks because we had such a bad winter storm. We got to go out and get some meat, do something. I don't have 10,000 rounds laying around to go and practice with first. Yes, you do. Thanks for giving up the farm. That's another thing. I did, she makes a really interesting point. She's being funny. But there's nothing wrong with putting up your stores. Um, you know, stocking that proverbial pantry, if you will. But you do not need to share that with the rest of the world. No, keep your mouth shut. Because at the end of the day, when the world does end, right, what I don't have, I'm going to go find. And if I need it, and you won't trade me for it, I still need it. That's going to put us in a situation where we're going to be at odds. Right. I'm hoping most people can be reasonable. Well, it's the hallmark of a civilized society. But people get primal real fast. They do. You know what everyone's thinking right now? No one ever got a retail price on this end-of-the-world gun. They have no idea what they're looking at. It has an MSRP of about 1700 equipped like I've got it with optic mounts and bipod, which for a semi-custom precision rifle that is as versatile as this one is suppressor ready it's a good price now you just got to get the suppressor you're looking at about a year wait at least i'm in fact what sunday was a year for me you're still waiting on those yes all right so tell that story so (laughs) i i submitted right right after the atf started doing the e-forms i went and bought Three suppressors, got the paperwork going on them, uh, submitted the paperwork on the 24th of February last year. Got one June, July, I think, of last year. Have not seen any movement on the other two. 
Now, when the ATF went to eForms, they told us that they were going to push for 90-day or less turnaround. Here we are a year later, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the ATF going, what are you going to do about it? Now, do you think that's because the system's overloaded, or they're just not pursuing it actively? I think it's a little of both. I think they are a little overwhelmed, um, because I think the ATF does not put their resources where they're needed. I think the system needs to be updated. And I also think it's a little bit of, with the current administration in power, they don't really want us to have them, so they're going to drag their feet as much as possible. And common sense is going to dictate, let's define the item we're talking about. It's a muffler. Correct. It is a piece of equipment that if it was designed today, it'd be mandatory equipment because it's a safety issue. Right. And here's my question, and this actually got me a three-day Facebook jail sentence. And I just asked the simple question, and this this revolves around the pistol brace. Um, The ATF wants to give us a 120-day grace period to register these firearms. And they're going to be nice, and they're going to waive the fee, and they're going to do all this. But here's the thing. If you cannot turn around an e-form in 90 days, like you claim, and here we are a year later, and all of these people run out to register their pistol brace, what happens when you can't approve those in 120 days? Well, I think that's part of the system they're cl- they're hoping on that people don't recognize. I think that it is a very orchestrated, smart play at trying to get a gun registry, at attempting to get people to let them know what they have. It is a infringement on the Second Amendment. It's blatant. Um, this is a whole another podcast. This is not necessarily this one, but between the pistol brace and the suppressor thing and the short-barreled rifle thing, none of it's really based out of common sense or science whatsoever. No. It's based out of political fear. Correct. Thank you, Al Capone. <laughs> You know, he did have a really good pasta sauce recipe. I got to give him that. And and funny enough, and and this might actually tie into this because you're you know you're talking about all of these things that the NFA was was adopted because of the gangsters in the 1930s. Well, how did they catch them? Interstate commerce and tax evasion. Tax evasion. The IRS. Which hmm. your tax stamp. For your Class Three firearms and firearms accessories? Right. It's a tax stamp. That's not where I was going, but I was thinking more of the new 87,000 IRS agents. Oh, that's going to be comical. (laughs) They're arming revenuers. Yes. I've seen those videos, and it's terrifying. But that plays into what we're talking about, because if our government continues to go that way, it flies in the face of a free society. Well, that and... We have a dual justice system. I think we've proven that. So at what point, and I'm speaking from a kid that has grown up most of my life in Wyoming, and I prefer to be left alone, but at what point does society say enough's enough? My fear on that is that we don't have a strong enough society anymore. Those of us who are strong enough? Watch your neighbor. When he goes, you go. 
I mean, we're talking about picking a fight. Right. Right? And having to choose a side. I'm not advocating for that in any way, shape, or form. It'll be one of the most horrific things I can think of. You won't be able to tell who the good guy and bad guy is. But when the world does end, mm-hmm. you do want a tool in your pocket that is capable. Agreed. That you can feed. That is something that you can rely on. Speaking of reliability, your L5 that you're putting on this is a, what, 4 to 16? Correct. Does not require batteries. It does not by design and intention. Right. Illuminated reticles, now they are nice and they're neat when you have a low light environment or you have a target in shadow. But that's really the only application for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to be shooting in no light, there are other situations for that technologically. Right. But from a day scope perspective, most ethics dictate that this is plenty and all the equipment you need. Right. And I've always advocated, even if you have an illuminated reticle, that it be etched. So that if that battery does die, you still have a reticle. Um, I'm a firm believer in not not choosing gear that relies on batteries to work. Um, you can get away with that in most cases, but when you don't know if or when you can get resupplied, go for something that's going to work no matter what. Well, and you're choosing an application at that point. Um, red dot sights. You can use them at distance, but really they're an electronic iron sight that limit, should eliminate your parallax. Right. So they're a close quarters type of environment, right? So you're, you've now chosen the application for that firearm platform. Um, on some of my firearms, I'll, I'll run both. I'll have a magnified optic, and then on an offset mount, I'll have a red dot. Mm-hmm. Again, it increases the versatility of my firearms platform. So into the world gun... Um, you can find it at any of the uh, Friends of the NRA banquets in Colorado. Um, it'll be typically used in the conjunction with a game or a live auction. Um, it's about the only place you can get one right now. Now, if you answer in the comments on this, this podcast, I'll make sure you get put in the list to get one if you want one. Here's Okay, so here's one for you. I know it's a little, it might be a little bit short for the 308, but especially for your 5.56 version, what about a P8 on there? Prismatic's a good option. Um, the P8's going to limit you to four times magnification. So working in inside a house and or in the trees, um, a lot of those folks that live in the southeast, um, it'd be a very valuable option on top of a firearm of any kind. Right, right. And that just came to mind because knowing how that P8 works and the physics and the science that went into that, having something that, with a magnified optic that you can work easily up close, that kind of complements what you're doing with this rifle. Well, and none of our eyes are getting any younger, and astigmatism is real. Red dot sights have a problem. Magnification gives you a little bit of confidence, and back to shot placement matters. You mm-hmm. have to know what you're doing and where that shot's going. What about the L7? The L7 would be good. I mean, you can take it on one, run it red, like a red dot. You can take up the magnification. L7's a good choice. It will increase your versatility. One, optically means none. So you've got red dot type of both eyes open. Mm-hmm. And you can pull it over to six magnification, which is more than the P8 allows. Right. So the versatility is going to be much higher with a L7. And you have an illuminated optic with an etched reticle. That's correct. 
So kind of the all of the best of worlds. So depending on the situation you're getting into, there's an optic solution that we offer that'll suit anything you need. Yeah. You guys got to stop that. I keep spending too much money. Can't take it with you, brother. Sure I can. I'll be like the old king that buried me with all my treasure. No? Brandy's shaking her head. I'm, I'm She's not going to bury you, dude. She's going to start you on fire in the pasture. Probably. Cheaper. <laughs> so when we talk about end-of-the-world type of situation, we talk about the cartridges we selected very specifically. Um, again, back to choices. What are you going to do with the platform, right? It is a 16-inch barrel on both platforms, which means it's very versatile in the mid-range. It will reach, but you're going to have to really have your mechanics put in order to make those cartridges work that way. Right. But 5.56, five, there's a multitude of bullet selections that will get you down the road for a lot of situations. 308, there's even more. Right. You start looking at ammo availability and being able to stockpile just in cases. Right. Both of these cartridges are in line for that, and they're relatively inexpensive. Well, let, let's talk about reach for a second, with, in context at least. In the scenario that, that we're talking about here, I don't see a lot of super long shots. No. The reason I say that is opportunity. Um, you're, you're probably not going to take a shot beyond six to 800 yards. And if you're talking about later on in this scenario, you're using whatever you found. You don't necessarily know the quality of the ammunition, how well it shoots. You can't depend on it at that distance. Again, you're going you're gonna to proof your rifle. You're going to learn your rifle. Um, and if you have to change ammo... Ethics, again, would dictate that you go out and you shoot it a little bit with that same batch of ammo so you know what it does. Right. Um, you are personally responsible for every round that comes out of the muzzle of your firearm. Yes. So get good at your craft. Know your tool. But the, the tools that we're talking about are specifically made for versatility. They're not going to be just a, a varmint gun or just a hunting gun or just a defensive rifle. It It's... Cross course, multiple application. The whole point here is, is if you had to pick one, what is it? Right. So that that's something for the comments as well. Five five six or three oh eight. Why? Grenade launcher. Now that's a good one. That's a good one. Now, if I'm hunting, that doesn't leave a whole lot left for you know hamburger. But it would all be hamburger. No processing needed. Oof. That's a lot of bloodshot. There's a lot of bloodshot. Hmm. Grenade launcher. And you love cutting all that out. All right, so note to self, next week I will be trying to retrofit a grenade launcher to one of the EOW guns and see how she works. This sounds like a project. I want to be in on this. I bet we can make it happen. Well, you just got into a grenade launcher or flare launcher or whatever the, the PC term is it for it, and it has a collet that takes it down to a 12-gauge. Yes. The host of ammunition available in a 12-gauge is astounding. We're not just talking about shot sizes or drams of powder loads. We're talking about bolo rounds and dragon's breath and uh, name a couple others. Well, there's a, there's a box of nasty that goes with that. I like I, the one with all the little nails in it. Yes. That's a flechette. 
Yes. And woe to the next crackhead that walks through your pasture because that is a really big barrel to be staring down. I will tell you, the one out of all of that, because um, I've had some experience working with less than lethal 12-gauge rounds, the one that's spooky to me is the bolo round. Yes. If you shoot that thing at too close a range, you're going to take a knee off. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that thing is no joke. No one else knows you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy's going to get us in trouble. Going to nah, knock on the door from the feds. Look, I've embraced the fact for a long time now I've been on their list. Well, if you're not on a list by this point, you should be ashamed of yourself. And it comes down to what position are you on the list? It's a point of pride at this point. I want to be high enough to be known, but not high enough to go to prison. I, I really want to be under the radar, but I know that's a lost cause now. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it is now. <laughs> Let's throw all this on the airways and see see how soon we get that knock. Well, and we live in Wyoming. We live in free America for the most part. Nobody cares what you have. No. Nobody wants to know or has any desire to come play in your Kool-Aid. You've got what you got. They've got what they've got. Everybody acts responsible accordingly. Right. Look at our law enforcement, for example. We have a constitutional carry in this state that is supported and unrivaled in most places in the country. Yes. When a law enforcement officer pulls you over to have a conversation because you did something out society's rules, he assumes that you're armed. Yes. And he treats you with civility mm-hmm. and politeness. Mm-hmm. but with enough respect that you know he's armed too. Right. And if stuff goes south, standing at your heavy post of your car, he has an advantage. Right. At the end of the day, though, he's civil and he's nice, and he treats you with respect because of the assumption. But that also goes both ways. If, you know, we're friends with a lot of the law enforcement around here, and if you talk to him, they will tell you that the guy that's armed is usually a lot more respectful for to them. Well, it goes both ways. Absolutely goes both ways. We agree that these statutes and society rules that they call laws are a good thing for people overall. Yes. All right? Me driving down the road too fast... Unless I hit something or somebody, I haven't created a victim. I've not committed a crime. Right. But I obey the speed limit because it's a society rule. Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean that I can't drive that fast safely because I've proven that I can. Right. But 99.9% of the time, stay within the legal posted limit because it's fast enough. It's just fine. And there's no reason to push the limits. Right. Now, Leadfoot over here. Yeah, talking to you. So Brandy intends to drive a little fast. We went on travel to go to one of the NRA events recently, and we were driving on a road that was no unnecessary travel. And I'm in the passenger seat and doing everything that I can to be polite, not getting a Kool-Aid because nobody wants to rattle the driver. We hit patches of ice on patches of ice upon patches of ice. And... Posted limit 70. Brandy's doing 75 as an aggregate. She does politely let off the gas as she travels across ice and picks it back up on the other side of the ice (laughs) patch. But did you die? I did not die. We didn't end up in the ditch. 
But most folks were driving 50 miles an hour and were in our way. To be fair, and especially out-of-state plates, and I know the road you were on. I used to drive it daily. And people drive that road terrified of it. And you can't do that in Wyoming. You have to, and I'm not saying be aggressive, but you have to be confident, know what you're doing, and get after it. Because otherwise, it's... It's the people that are scared that end up causing the accidents. A super slow driver is just as much of a danger, if not more, than a speeder. I would agree with that. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm hoping that we got people thinking about kind of their end-of-the-world scenario and, and ways to be better prepared. Not even for the end of the world, but just be better prepared for the next winter storm for the next power outage for whatever it may be um what advice would you give them as a shooter to be better prepared don't show up on my property unannounced that's good advice there is a lot to be said about civility about manners if you put that in your skill set you're going to be a lot better off in the long run if you're looking at your tools, your pantry, whether that's your armament, your ammo selection, how much you think you need in reserves, if you think you have enough, you don't. Also, pick a tool that is going to give you the most versatility, be able to handle all the situations you're going to encounter on a daily basis, whether that's feeding your family or protecting you and yours. Find the tool that's right. If you don't have one of those, you might start shopping. I would I would add to that 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 tool may not be exactly what you have in mind, and it may not be the really cool space gun either. Simpler is better. Yes. My big thing, uh, take away from all of this and, and everything that we've endured over the last few months with this just horrendous winter Get to know your neighbors. Um, I, I think all of us out here have been extremely helpful to each other. I know we wouldn't we wouldn't have got out of our driveway had it not been for our neighbors. And we have other neighbors that couldn't be here for this. They were they were on travel for for business, and we've been taking care of their livestock while they've been gone. And had we not been here they would probably have half a dozen dead horses because nobody was around to feed them or take care of them. Back to being a good neighbor. Right. And when you need something, and I use the word needed very intentionally, mm -hmm. they'll be there for you. 100%. Your neighbors aren't there for your wants. They're there for your needs. Right. You're the same way for them. Right. And I think that's kind of lost in society, especially when you start talking suburban and more urban environments. People don't get to know their neighbors. It's kind of a stigma anymore. Try and get past that because you'd be surprised how helpful you can be as a group. That's a good point. All right. Well, with that, we are out for this week. Look forward to seeing you again on Deer Shooter.